0: Well, we're going to be uh, looking now at uh, Philippians chapter 2 and 12 to 18. Just to remind ourselves, we're looking, working through this letter, a letter which was written by the Apostle Paul to a group of Christians who were a fairly recently established church, fairly new church. And, and in that sense, I guess, there's a lot of uh, relevance to us, a fairly newly established church, uh, which is what we are. And then at the same time, Although we are a newly established church, the difference that we experience today is that we've got 2,000 years of an understanding of the message of Jesus. We've got 2,000 years of coming to terms with the claims that Jesus made, and for many of us, those of us who are in in the room today who've who've been involved in church for a long time, maybe grown up in church... uh, we would be able to uh, understand truths of the message of Jesus in the way that this first church weren't able to. It was a new concept to them. It was a developed concept, yes, absolutely, in the sense that whenever the apostle went into one of the towns, whenever the message was being spread as we read it in Acts, the, the, the message would firstly come to the Jewish community because the Jewish faith through the Old Testament is the trajectory of God's purpose in the world, God's, uh, God's plan for this world, uh, and the Christian faith grows out of and is a continuation Of that which he had planned through his people. Uh, And so they would have had, many of them would have had some experience uh, of the Jewish faith. And yet now what we see is he's speaking to a whole mixed group of people. Some who have lots of background. Some who have very little background. Uh, So again, that's a bit like us, isn't it? We've got some folks who've got lots of background. Some folks who've got relatively little background. What's interesting is that as he communicates to this new church, he he doesn't separate out those two groups. He he brings a message for one group of people and he says, now listen to this. Uh, And really the section that we're looking at this afternoon is, again, I say this probably most weeks, it's right at the very heart of the book it's because there's a recurring theme that just keeps coming up again and again and again and it's this live in this world shining out for the truth that you believe live in this world shining out for the truth that you believe now that's an interesting thought i guess for some here you might think well uh, i don't accept that truth Uh, What do I do with that? Well, we're we're going to come to that. But at the meantime, let's just see what the Apostle says. Let's have a look at at this particular passage. Verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's, That's the message that... Uh, is brought to these first christians i guess that there's quite an encouragement there really isn't it he's saying to them look you first obeyed uh, and then as i've left you you've carried on obeying in fact even while i was with you you were progressively obeying i want to ask you this afternoon what does it mean firstly to begin obeying Well, the message that Paul brings to this church, uh, this Philippine church, early on is completely new. brings the message of Jesus, and he says to them, "Now, having brought this message, what I want you to do is to understand that the message of Jesus is something not just to accept and to listen to; it's something to change your life. It's something for you to begin to obey." It's life-changing. That's what these first Christians began to understand. They embraced the message and it became life-changing. But Jesus warned that it is, a, it is really possible uh, for somebody to take on that message, for it to be initially life-changing, for it to seem as though it's been something dramatic, but progressively, as time goes on, it proves not to be ongoing life change. The way that Jesus described this is he described it as a sower who went out and he sowed some seed. And he said that there was seed that landed in all sorts of different types of ground. Some of that seed landed in good ground and it sprung up and and it became a plant. uh, And then uh, it looked good. Everything seemed to be going well. But then what happened was that the sun came out, the ground was shallow, the roots withered away, the plant withered away. It proved not really to be the case that this was real ongoing growth. And so I want to encourage you this afternoon, I want to challenge you, I want to question uh, as we look at this what paul is saying is for this christian church for these philippine christians one of the things that he one of the things that he saw in them that he was able to say to them is that you obeyed you obeyed initially by accepting the truth you obeyed in an ongoing way while i was with you and i hear that you are still obeying it appears as though this has been a progressive ongoing obedience that's great news keep on obeying keep on life change keep on allowing the message of the bible to shake up your life to knock it about to to kind of at times make you feel uncomfortable to knock you off course to challenge you to redirect you to reshape you you see, that's what Paul is seeing as he speaks to this church. He's seeing cr- people who have truly, deeply been changed. There is a danger, isn't there? That we can accept something because it seems great at the time, but then progressively, as it starts to you know, really affect life, really cause me to be challenged, really caused me to be redirected, reshaped. I'm going to back away from this. I don't want anything to do with it now. And Paul is saying, no, listen, keep going. Keep on allowing your life to be changed. Why? Look at what he says. Because what is going on is not you changing your life it is god changing the life within you isn't that an amazing thought the christian faith is not about you making a kind of stoical determination i'm going to do this i'm going to set off on this course and in another 15 20 years I am going to make sure I'm continuing to walk along that pathway. If you think that the Christian faith is that, you will fail. You will fail. You will be knocked off course. You will at some point find that you are not able to keep up with what you have determined to do. You will find that you are not doing the thing, that you're not able to keep up to your own standards that you've set yourself there is something way more powerful going on than our ability and our strength to do what we know is right. And I find this particular little part of uh, this letter so encouraging. Because what he's saying is this, realize as soon as you accept that, as soon as you first obeyed, it's because God spoke to you. It's because God was dealing with you. It's because God was changing you way back then. I know by conversations that some of us here this afternoon are beginning to find that what we are hearing from the Bible is is starting to, to challenge us, starting to to really dig down deep, and starting to make us think and question at a very deep personal level. It's uncomfortable at times the reason that that is going on is because god is speaking you do not have the ability you do not have the strength you do not have anything within you that could none of us do none of us i do not have anything within me that could possibly cause me to want to turn my affections towards god but when he starts to grab a hold of us when he starts to speak to us the beginnings of obedience take place. Now what Paul is saying is quite simply this. If it takes that right at the beginning for you, to, for you to come to faith in Jesus, don't you think it's going to take the same kind of life change deep down in by the power of God for you to continue through that process for the rest of your lives? Yes, it is. It's going to take God to continue to work In your lives. It's going to take for God to deal with you. Because if you had to have him intervene in the very first place. To be changed in the first place. You know that you're going to need it for the rest of life. In fact, one of the great confidences of the Christian faith is that we are actually able to say. I can't do this. Please do this through me. I can't achieve this, please take a hold of me. That is one of the great hopes. It's one of the great confidences. If you're sat right at the very beginning and you're thinking, I'm scared to do this, I'm scared to take this step because I know what I'm like, you know. (laughs) I, 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 I committed myself to reading two books a month five years ago and I've never managed it. I committed myself to keeping the garden tidy and I've never managed it. I know what I'm like. Everything I start, I never manage to finish. Quite simply, you sat there concerned, unable to actually deliver. And this verse says, look, place yourselves in the hands of God and he holds you for the rest of the journey. He takes you step by step for the rest of the journey. He effects change in your life that you are not able to achieve yourself. What does that change look like? Look at what it says in verse 13. For it is, uh, sorry, verse 12. Much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. Uh, I don't know about... How that first grabs you, what to, how that verse that those few lines first grab you. I, I'll exp, I'll tell you how it first grabbed me, as I was growing up and beginning to hear this verse read so often. Every time somebody said "work out" to me, it it meant go back to your desk and sit down quietly until you can get the sum right. <laughs> Didn't it? It's kind of you know go and work it out, and you know me going back to my desk and working out the sum would always take a long time. What does it mean, work it out? Does it mean that the Christian faith, your salvation, is something for you to go and work out, work out how it all works, see how it all pieces together? It's not what's meant here. Let me put it like this. What the Bible is saying to us here is, right now, having understood, having come to terms with the fact that you are continuing to live this life, now, go and make sure that it works outwardly. Make sure that it works outwardly. Don't make it an internal thing. Don't make it something which is only affecting you inside, in your thinking, in your heart. If it's really changing inside of there, it's going to come out. It's going to be worked out. It's going to become visible. It's not an academic exercise. The work of God in your life is going to be something which is going to be visible to other people. It might not always be comfortable. When we see it. Some people might not like it. For these Christians in Philippi. For some of them. It meant they were stripped of their possessions. It meant that they were thrown in prison. It meant for some of them. That they were going to lose their lives. For some of them. That's what it meant. Because what he's saying is this. As soon as it starts to really make changes. It's a change that becomes visible. It works outwards. It's seen. That's the kind of faith that it is. It's God who's working in you to effect change outwardly. He goes on to say, verse 14, What does that look like? What does that kind of change look like? Do all things without grumbling or questioning... That you may, may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life. That's a pretty interesting little section, isn't it? Do all things without grumbling or questioning. I think it's really interesting. I, I've only really... S- I saw this today. And this is just rumbling through my mind. So let, let me share you this with you. Look at what he's saying. It is God who works in you to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's God who works in you to will and to work for For his good pleasure. There is a will that he has for you. And it works out in what he desires. What does it look like when we don't agree with that? What does it look like when we don't agree with God's will and God's purposes? It looks like we grumble and we question. does not it? That's what it looks like. You know, anybody who spent any time with kids growing up or, or kids in school or whatever it might be, or maybe it doesn't even need to be, maybe it can be big kids, you know, kind of work colleagues or, or you know, maybe even, you know, family members. We're going to do this. Or I want you to do X. This is what we're doing today. Not wanting it... ...results in what? Grumbling. I don't want to do this. I don't like this. I don't want to do that. You know, it's just rubbish. We're doing it again. I don't want to go there. Grumbling. Why? Because... ...my will... ...as a parent... ...is not in tune... ...with the will of the child and because there is a discontinuity between my will as a parent and the will of the child there is a grumbling when my will is not in tune with God's will I'm going to grumble So what the Apostle is saying to us here is, look, if you understand this, that whatever happens in your life, whatever happens, is God working out in your life His will and His work. Whenever anything happens and you're not happy with it, you're going to grumble What's more, if you don't agree with it, what are you going to do? You're going to question it. We're going to go here. I don't think we should go there. I'm not really sure that that's the best place. There's a question mark raised. This is just massive, isn't it, for our day-to-day lives? Here we are today. We've come from all sorts of different experiences. We've come from all sorts of different situations. And I will guarantee there will be some of us here this afternoon who, who are saying, I believe in the Lord Jesus as my Savior. But what's going on in my life I am not happy with. What's going on in my life I don't think is the right thing. And God says, you need to come to terms with this. I'm a God who loves you. And through every phase of life, I am working out your life for your best and my glory. Every phase of life, everything that you are going through, step by step, it's my will. It's my work. Why are we here this afternoon? Why are you here this afternoon? Because there's been a whole series of events that have taken place that have resulted in you and me being here this afternoon. Just a massive, complex, just impossible series of connections that have caused us to be here this afternoon. Now, why are you living in the area that you're living in? Why are you and I... Uh, building a relationship, friendship why is it that these doors are open uh, on a Sunday afternoon what, just, can you imagine trying to hold all of those things together that has brought us here this afternoon just imagine if one of those little things was taken out one of those little pieces of the jigsaw was just turned around the other way would it fit together What would the outcome be? And yet God. Wills everything. For his glory. And our good. It is a radical change. Which is able to say. I live content with that. It is such a change. It's the kind of change that Paul describes here. Therefore live your life without grumbling or questioning, no matter what's going on, because then you'll be blameless and innocent. Look at all the doubles that are going on. Blameless and innocent. No grumbling, no questioning, blameless and innocent. Children of God without blemish. If we are able to understand that to live like that is the most peace-filled existence the most satisfying existence, the most happy existence, to be able to say with absolute confidence that no matter what happens in the next 72 hours or month or year or decade, I've got a peace. Because I know that my God is working out everything in my life for his will and for his glory and his work And for my good. That causes us to shine out. Shine out in what? Shine out in a world which is twisted, crooked and twisted. There's another double. A crooked and twisted world. So we've got God's will and work. We've got no grumbling or questioning. And then we've got crooked and twisted. When ask the question this afternoon, what's wrong with the world? What's wrong with the world at a really deep level? What this is saying is quite simply this. We live in a world which is fighting against and working against and grumbling and complaining continually against God's will. That's what a twisted and corrupt generation is. Does it mean, does this mean that, you know, Christians are going to be really kind of shiny people that are always good and always happy and never do anything wrong and everybody else is really bad? If you expect that of Christians, you are going to be disappointed. They will let you down. They will do things that surprise you. They will do things that upset you. Because that's what human beings do. This is not saying, this is not saying, here's all these good people and there's all these bad people. What it is saying is, look, if we live our lives reconciled to peace in God's hand upon our lives, that is radically different to living continually fighting against God's will. And a crooked and perverse generation is a generation which is just always fighting against God's will. I want to ask you this afternoon, just as we close, we're going to carry on and look at the last few verses. We'll look at that next week. i well, ask the simple question is this. What kind of life are we living? We can live a life which is battling against every step that goes on in our lives, fighting against it. A few years ago, I did a a tiny, tiny little bit of canoeing. Tiny little bit. Now, apparently, just reading up about it in the past few days, one of the tricks to canoeing, and I would guess one of the tricks to lots of other sports, it's kind of like going with the flow to some extent. Not just letting go and just letting it take you. Not just sort of lifting your paddle in the air, not just becoming uh, uninvolved, but becoming one with the flow. Just allowing it to shape you and take you. Dipping your paddle in the water at certain points to keep your balance. I know that it's like that riding a mountain bike down a hill. You know, the more you fight against the bumps, The more you fight against the turns, the more likely you are to land on your head rather than your wheels. But if you just allow yourself to go with the flow, you know, just playing your part, going with it. What a great picture of what true acceptance of God's will in our lives is. It's not abdicating everything and saying hands off. It's all about God. It's actually saying no, I am going with the flow of God's work in my life. And not doing that, not living in that way is fighting against it. We live in a world which is fighting against it. I want to encourage you. I want to question in your in your thoughts this afternoon, what kind of life are we living? Are we living a life which is fighting against God's will? Or are we living a life which is going with the flow of God's purpose, accepting, loving and embracing, finding peace, finding hope in a life which goes with the flow of God's purpose in our lives? It is peace. It is confidence. It is hope.